Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. This is Locked On Hornets presented by Hive Talk Live. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man who, like his friend Michael Phelps, is no stranger to cupping, David Walker. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I never know where these are going. It's it's so exciting. It's so exciting these days. You You are literally... In my hands, you. I, I I'm cupping you in my hands. I'm so vulnerable right now. We are now part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Starting this fall, we'll be on week <laughs> daily. Get your daily dose of Hornets talk by subscribing. Even more talk about cupping. Daily dose of Hornets talk. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play. However, you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. Also, starting this fall, we're live again on YouTube and Facebook. You can watch us. You can chat with us live on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Go to YouTube, search Hive Talk Live, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live for more information. If you have a question, a comment, or you're interested in advertising with us, email us, buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. Okay, let's start off, David, with a little breaking news. Luckily, uh, you and I waited until this afternoon on a Monday to tape because the Hornets released their preseason schedule just a few minutes ago. Let me read it to you. Let's let's think about this. Let's sit on it for a second. They begin the preseason in Dallas October 3rd, followed by two games we reported on a few weeks ago, a home-and-home home of sorts, October 6th versus the Boston Celtics in Greensboro. And October eighth in Massachusetts. I don't think that's at. I don't think it's at TD Gardens or whatever they nah. whatever they call it in Boston. It's somewhere else. It doesn't matter. You can't. Who's going to go to that? October <laughs> that listens to the no show. No one now. <laughs> October tenth, the Hornets will host the Minnesota Timberwolves in Charlotte at Chicago on October seventeenth. Then the Hornets are back in Charlotte October twentieth versus Miami, and they wrap up the preseason in Minnesota on October twenty first. Tickets go on sale for those Charlotte games tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Hit up Hornets.com for more information. David, this is exciting. This means that basketball is nearing. Yeah, it means the real deal is coming. I think maybe those two, you know, the Minnesota games are kind of fun and interesting. Uh, Young, up-and-coming team. And we've highlighted the Boston series, I guess, as it were. Uh, but the one up in Greensboro, I think, is probably the, the cool one, just given the swarm and their new location, their, their new, you know, the new team up there. So uh, those are maybe the highlights, I guess, for me. You know, it's preseason NBA. It's, it's, it can only get so highlighted. 
Yeah, I, I like that uh, Hornets fans in Charlotte will get a chance to see the Minnesota Timberwolves. I like that young mm-hmm. team. I, I like that you schedule, not that it really matters all that much, or I think they're all that concerned with doing this, but it's nice to see them schedule games against teams like Chicago and Boston that they're going to be facing off with in the middle of the Eastern Conference. You get a little bit of an early look at how those teams are made up. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I like New you. Look. Yeah, like you, I'm excited about the Greensboro game. I think that's going to be, if there's one game you want to attend, I think that's the one you want to try to get up to the Greensboro Coliseum uh, because I'm sure they'll be rolling out all of the Greensboro Swarm uh, uh, fanfare. So that could be a really interesting. I know I want to go. I'll definitely be uh, uh, getting some tickets to that game and, and checking it out. But, yeah, it just means that basketball, I mean, training camp, we've already got international basketball, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. But the mm-hmm. the NBA schedule should be the full season schedule should be coming out in the next week or two. So we're we're getting close. Even though football delayed, we'll we'll have some football to tide us over. But uh, basketball, the real deal, it's almost here. So that's exciting. Yeah, I think I think we know one of the Christmas matchups. It does not feature the Hornets, but we know one of them <laughs> as, as of this recording. So just a heads up, keep an eye out for the rest. Well, hold on, tell me because I haven't I haven't seen it yet. Um, I knew you were gonna ask. Oh wait, it's, it not it's, the Cavs. It's, it's the finals rematch, right? Cavs, Cavs, Warriors. That sounds yeah. right. I heard rumors of a. Yeah. Oh no, February eleventh. I think is when we're going to get OKC Warriors. Yeah, I guess they couldn't do both because I was like, man, that, that doesn't make any sense. You want to see Durant back in Oklahoma City on Christmas Day, but that would be hey, tough. no. That listen, be, they can do no. Challenge. Listen, they yeah. can do both. If you if if the <laughs> yeah. the Warriors are allowed to have four superstars on their That's team, right. then point. they should have to play a, a doubleheader. <laughs> yeah, a doubleheader. They do it in, in, in baseball, right? Yeah. I mean, you do it in AAU. These yeah, guys man up, that. Warriors. I like it. Jeez. All right, let's talk about some international basketball. Team USA men's and women's teams are dominant mm. right now, and they, mm. they were dominant coming into the tournament, and they played dominantly. Uh, and neither team played, though, like they could simply cruise on talent. And on the men's side, that's what Coach K and the rest of that staff brings to this team, in my opinion, David. They they don't play like, oh, we've got more talent than everyone else, so we're just going to try to cruise on our talent. I mean, they played hard on defense and offense, and they played you know, an international-style game. Very, very cool to watch uh, this all-star roster play like all-stars. Yeah, that's kind of the point of this whole, you know, when they redid the whole USA, Team USA, and Colangelo, and Coach K came and became involved. I mean, that was kind of the whole point, right, to – to make it more of a not really a farm system, but I mean, you know, they have the select team and a bunch of players from that team are now playing on Team USA. So they kind of designed it. Obviously, they're going to try and go get stars, but they also designed it with you know having some role player type guys in there. So I mean, that's kind of the design and the hope. And this looks like a group that is, like we said, not going to have any trouble advancing and moving forward. Um, did you watch any of the Croatia? Spain game yesterday. I did not get a chance to. What did you see in that game that you liked? It was it was not. It was competitive and it was uh, pretty good. There was a lot of NBA talent out there. Um, Saric, I guess, was the guy that a lot of people were talking about. But I, I did see the highlights of the the block that he put on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was good. You know, it was it was just a competitive game. Which, truthfully, after watching Team USA and and some of the other games that haven't been 
as competitive. And I guess we'll talk about the France game a little bit too. Uh, but that was certainly the best game that I saw from the Olympics, uh, basketball game that I saw from the Olympics over uh, over the weekend. It was just competitive, right? I mean, at this point, I think that's fun to see. Speaking of Dario Sarge, someone tweeted out that he doesn't have a full, you know, he's he's slated to join the 76ers and join the NBA mm-hmm. soon, but he doesn't have a, a full grasp of the English language. And he's he, he was quoted as saying something to the effect of, that's just the cherry on top of the cake. And what, but uh-huh. here's, here's my thing. What if he has a full grasp on the English language and he's just an innovator? What if he's just, he's, what if he's just a culinary genius? I'd say he's got as much grasp as, <laughs> as anyone, as much as me at times, you know, as much as some of the other athletes in their, in their saying. So, I mean, I think he's going to do just fine. I mean, I think cherry on top of a cake sounds delicious. Cherry on top of Darno. the cake. Maybe he, that's how he likes his cakes. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's talk about the French team because we, we talked about how dominant and how much effort Team USA put into their game. You could basically say the opposite for the French team uh, yeah. as a whole. And then we have to focus on Nick Batum, uh, um, of course, signed the big deal with the Hornets in the offseason, uh, max, max type of contract. Nick Batum got 22 minutes in that first game uh, for, team, uh, for the French national team, five points, two rebounds, two assists, four turnovers didn't make a shot in the first half didn't play at all in the fourth quarter i mean what what can you say i mean the whole team didn't really play uh, like they were really motivated to win a basketball game australia uh, definitely came to play i want to talk about australia here in a few seconds too but your thoughts on on nick batum's performance wasn't wasn't great wasn't great Uh, there's been some can't argue with those numbers yeah, there's been some alarm over that. Of course, we saw um, some, some some thoughts come out over the weekend about that, and you know we kind of touched on that, Doug, but on our show last week, and we saw the same thing last year, right? He's not playing as aggressively as I think some of the fans of the French national team would like, um, and he's not uh, forcing the issue for himself. It's weird when you look at that team because they've got basically well, they have four or five NBA players on their starting five, and. But 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 I was asking myself like who's the lead dog right who's the guy that's going to go and, and swing the game and it's really I, I think it's still Tony Parker um, for, certainly from an NBA standpoint but he's obviously older um, and he's you know um, I don't know I guess I mean he would be your lead guy but it's it's, it's either if it's not him it's Batum or Diaw or, or Rudy Gobert and that doesn't really feel like their type of of game uh, or their their type of way of playing so i mean just that first game for the french team i'm sure they weren't happy about it but that was the overwhelming feeling i got just nobody really wanted to go out there and take control of that game and focusing on batum i mean you're not worried though i mean we're not worried about that from a hornet standpoint no he played he played poorly for the french national team the season before he was traded to the hornets or the offseason before he was traded to the hornets and you know he he was the one of the best players on the team last season. So now that's the one thing you take yeah. away is that you're not concerned at all. In fact, I'm I'm I was pleased. You know that the the more minutes that that Nick Batum sits on the bench in Rio, that's just another minute that he can't go out there and, and tear an ACL or or you know uh, break an arm or or something devastating for the actual uh, Charlotte Hornets. So no, I, I'm yeah. not worried about that. And there's a weird. I'm telling you, we we've talked about it several times on this show with with JB. Uh, that th- there's a weird dynamic going on with the French national team and the coaching staff. Yeah. And uh, uh, a commenter on At the Hive pointed it out, BZ City Knights 
writes, uh, Batum's production in France bas- French basketball is a product of their poor coaching and organization. NBA coaches have gifted them a blueprint of how to play with their best players, and they simply ignore it. It's puzzling to watch, and you don't see it with other international teams. And I, I, I have to agree with this commenter, David. I mean, you saw not, not just Batum, who did play poorly in that first half. You, you saw him yeah. sit, and you saw Tony Parker sit for a large portion of that, uh, the end of the third mm. quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter. And look, if NBA basketball has taught us anything, it's that win or lose, play well or don't play well, especially in these small sample size type of tournaments, you have to ride your best players. If you lose yeah, the game, if Parker you lose the game, was, you lose yeah. the game. But you have to ride Parker, your best players. And Parker definitely was that guy in that second quarter. I mean, he, he brought him back by by himself. So it is weird. I mean, we've watched this team a little bit. You know, we're not claiming to be the experts on the French national team or anything like that. But we have watched it mainly because of Batum. And I would not get frustrated if I'm a Charlotte Hornets fan out there. It, it sucks to watch it and just want him to, you know, explode or go off for 25 points like some of these NBA players do on their national teams and, and like some guys did in the Spain and the Croatia game. But I, it's, first of all, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> so just don't worry about it. Um, he's going to have some moments. But, yeah, it's really weird. It's really odd because that team, you look at that team, and they should not be losing games in that fashion. I mean, that wasn't really a close game. And they've got too much talent on that team to come out there and, and play like that and have a game like that to me. And Batum said as much. I mean, he didn't blame the coaches, I don't think. He said they weren't ready to play. So that's odd. I mean, that's weird. especially. Well, for listen, well, I, I really think when, when players say that, it's a little bit of a, 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 it's a subtweet. Yeah, it's a subtweet of the coach because coaches always say it's our job to have the players ready to play. That You hear the coaches say that over and over and over. Uh, so yeah. when, when guys come out and say, well, we weren't ready to play, I don't know if that's a total – you know, hundred percent reflexive admonition of their effort. But uh, like just between look, looking at Batum for the last thing on this, you know, we look back at the end of last season, especially the playoffs, and he was hurt, and he came back in in that Miami game and didn't play well to start. Hit some massive, massive shots down the stretch there. That's what and I'm you saying. Compare that, yeah. You compare that. You compare the whole season if you actually watched it, if you actually watched him play like we did. And then you go back and look at his stats for the French national team. I mean, his three-point shooting is not great. His scoring is not great. It is truly – it's bizarre. I mean, if you took his play from that and just went wanted to go off that and, you know, base the contract off of that and do you want him here and all this other stuff, like, you'd have an argument. But you, you just cannot take too much value out of these games at all, I don't think. Well, I, and I have to real quickly just say something on Australia. I think I, I certainly – I don't think they're going to beat the United States, but I think they're going to give the United States a run for their money. They blew out France, and then they beat Serbia by 15, and Delavadova playing out of his mind, playing similar basketball to when he helped uh, um, help LeBron James try to, win a, try to win that championship against the Warriors uh, two years ago, uh, shooting, the, shooting the ball from outside very well. And that's the one thing that a lot of these international teams cannot do that the United States mm-hmm. can do is hit the three-pointer. Well, Australia can hit the three-pointer, and they've got the size inside with Andrew Bogut yep. to contend yep. with the United States. So again, And Baines, correct? And Baines, too. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't think the – again, I'm not giving them any kind of shot to beat the U.S., but they're yeah. So you're saying they're going to upset the U.S. No, we, that's, I, I think we get. Okay. Yeah, you can that's tweet that. That's perfect. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, real yeah. Qu- real no, qu- you're right. Though. They, they they can bang inside. I mean, they're they're aggressive, and, and that may have had something to do with that French game too, because they they were being the aggressors. 
I want to ask you something, David. Any Olympic sports mm. that have really, really sucked you in so far that you can't get enough of? Mm. Not yet. No. Okay, yet. you're still searching. You're still window shopping, still looking. Rio. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell yeah. you one of mine. What about you? One of mine, fencing. Love it. I can't. Everybody's <laughs> okay. talking about table tennis. Oh, look at table tennis. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah whatever. Nah. It's too fast. I can't see what's going on in table tennis, and it's over. It's like five seconds, it's over. I need something a little that sustains itself a little more, and that's fencing. There's some strategy. It's slow enough. I kind of get what's going on. That's the thing with these Olympic sports. You, you, you're, you're never going to fully grasp like whatever looks like a great dive or a great gymnastics routine. I'm like, holy hell, how did they do that? And then the announcer will come on and say, oh, they're going to get dock points for that. Okay, well, I don't know what's right. going on. But, but fencing, fencing, you have a horn, right? You have, you have, you have a sound letting you know, someone. Well, their helmet lights up. It looks like um, uh, okay. it looks like a, a what's the techno band that has the helmets? Um, oh God, Kanye West. They they did a compilation together. <laughs> Jesus Christ, help me out. Daft Punk. Daft Punk. It looks like a Daft Punk okay. concert. Their helmets. Uh, well, their that's, hel- how you, that's how you need to sell it. Don't don't bury the lead. Leave with that. Yeah. Anyway, that's what's that's what's really sucking me in. All right, coming up, we've got Andrew Dunn from charlotteagenda.com on with us. It's part one of a series we're calling So You're Visiting Charlotte for a Hornets Game. He's going to break down some things you can do before the game, have a little fun before the doors open at Time Warner Cable Arena. Again, it's part one. We're going to be doing so many uh, parts of this series before the game, after the game, uh, what to eat, uh, in-arena experience, all coming up. Um, but I have to talk about this. I finally, David, got around to listening to uh, New Hornet Center Roy Hibbert on the Ringers NBA show with Tate mm-hmm. Frazier, who, for those yeah. that don't know, is a Hornets fan. He's a Panthers fan. He's a Heels fan. Tate Frazier, that is. Uh, here's Tate asking Roy about his new team. So have you been to Charlotte yet? How are you feeling about the Hornets? The Hornets are looking good. <laughs> David. Yeah, I like it. They're... That here's the thing. I love that. It perfectly sums up my feelings on the team right now. It sums up all the optimism, but also all of the questions that I have around this team. The Hornets are looking yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, the Hornets are looking good. I want to uh, seriously. I want to. I want to use that whenever anyone. I want to carry that around in my pocket. And it's like, Doug, what's up with the Hornets these days? What? How they look? The Hornets are looking good. <laughs> yeah, fine. They look fine. They're looking good. I don't know. Well, they haven't even played the preseason yet. They're looking good. The Hornets are looking good. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to that bite. I think. Uh, in all seriousness, here's Roy expressing one of the main reasons he decided to go with Charlotte in free agency. One of the biggest things for me was playing for a mature group: um, Batum, you know, Kemba, um, MKG. Last year was kind of tough playing with like a young group of. Uh, of guys on the team. When we talked about Roy Hibbert, David, we talked about a lot of things um, or a lot of reasons he may have wanted to join this staff. And he mentioned the coach Clifford as well. Uh, but we also mentioned that maybe he just needed a, a new opportunity and, and a new team that, that bought into him, that believed in him. But this is something I think we kind of missed that he wanted to be with a veteran group and, and maybe he didn't mesh as well with a young group of kids. Makes sense too, right? I mean, you look at that crew he was with last year, and it was, it was a, I mean, it was a circus basically. And in that interview, he talked a little bit about that and shared some Kobe stories. And 
you know, it was what it was, uh, you know, if you're a Lakers fan on the Lakers, I guess, but it, it's going to be a world. I mean, it just sounded, it sounded odd. I mean, it just sounded, obviously the focus was basically all on Kobe, right? Um, right. And to hear, to hear him describe, you know, post game or pre game or waiting for him on the plane and stuff. I mean, it, it, it was, you know, in a weird way, it, it was an experience that, you know, not many people, not many players, even NBA players would have. You know what I mean? I mean, it's mm-hmm. so weird. He talks about walking outside of the final game and like they had like champagne and stuff. Well, like, the changing Kobe game, changing his and... shoes three times a game. Yeah, but for yeah. contractual so, advertising obligations. I mean, it's it's little things like, and those are just the stuff we hear about. And then you got to yeah. wonder. It just seems like a lost season, like a season that was completely dedicated oh. to sending Kobe off. And it's just amazing that a friend. Well, you know, lost. I think the Lakers, with all of their history, they can get away with it. But if the Hornets completely yeah. lost a season like that, the fans would never come back. Well, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, look, Kobe gave the Lakers and their fans a lot. I mean, more than most fans will have in their lifetime as far as successes and championships and highlights and all that stuff. So, like, whatever you want to do, that's great. It was just weird to hear that. Um, and but it also made me think. You know, he's got to be hungry to get back to some actual competitive basketball and in an environment and on a team that's actually trying to do something so maybe that will be a good motivation for him well and in an environment that maybe he feels more comfortable in because he also talked about in that interview how he's a little bit of a lone wolf and and so that again feeds into this idea that he doesn't want to have to babysit a bunch of kids a bunch of rookies like that's just not in his not in his wheelhouse and look charlotte has plenty of locker room leaders so he won't have to worry about that at all and you know at the end of the day, the Hornets are looking good. Right. All right. Time to read <laughs> some fan. All right. Time to read some fan mail. Hey guys, I'm. This is uh, from Twiggy. Twiggy says, "Hey guys. Hey, I'm new to the podcast. Started listening on your draft podcast, but I've really been enjoying it. Finding it especially mm-hmm. helpful as last season was my first following in about 15 years. Well, listen, Twiggy. Welcome. Right. Welcome back. So my knowledge right. of the product is pretty limited." Uh, get this, David. He also listens from Melbourne, Australia. Now we're talking. We're international. <laughs> yeah, so Twiggy has a question too, David. Uh, do you think Seth Curry gets mad? This is Seth, not Steph. Gets mad mm-hmm. that nobody speculates when he will come play for his dad's team. Seth Is Seth is Seth jealous of all the Steph love? I hope not because he's, <laughs> he's going to drive himself crazy, right? <laughs> right. Think, that's that's, a, that's madness-inducing. I think if you look hard enough, you will find some speculation on on any anyone in the Curry family coming to play for the Hornets. Again, we're just speculating here, but this is experience speculation. Yeah, I don't. I certainly. Yeah, it's not out of the the realm of possibility that it happens someday. But no, nobody's going to. No one's going to really speculate on on Seth. They're going to speculate on Steph just because of uh, the level of talent that Steph has. Uh, there's there's just a desire factor there that doesn't come in with Seth Curry. But Seth Curry has shown himself, at least in the latter half of last season, to be a very serviceable player. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, who knows? In the future, it definitely could happen. Okay, David, here's another question. This question we get asked all the time. I'm coming up, I'm coming down, over to Uptown Charlotte for a Hornets game. What should I do before the game? I've got some time to kill. Well, we're here to help. It's part one of a series we're calling, So, You're Visiting Charlotte for a Hornets Game. We're enlisting the help of people in the know about what to do and where to eat in Charlotte. 
beginning this week with editor-in-chief of charlotteagenda.com, Andrew Dunn, who gives us his hot tips on having some fun before tip-off. Joining us now, the editor-in-chief of Charlotte Agenda, Andrew Dunn. Andrew, welcome into the studio. Hey, thanks for having me. You you came to the studio. David couldn't even bother to join <laughs> us, but he is he is uh, with us via phone. David? I could be bothered to do it, Doug. <laughs> I just chose not to. There's a difference. Listen, I said on Twitter that you didn't you didn't focus group well, and we're, we're close to replacing you with a talking cartoon dog. So I'm you, holding out after that insult is what I'm doing. <laughs> all right, Andrew, we brought you in here for a series. Well, first of all, tell us about Charlotte Agenda, and then we'll get to why we brought you in. Yeah, sure thing. So Charlotte Agenda is a local media company. Our specialty is original reporting on news, business, things to do, uh, anything happening around Charlotte, we like to stay on top of it. You're on top of all things Charlotte, and that's exactly why we brought you in here for part one of our series. So you're visiting Charlotte for a Hornets game. We're talking about what fans should do before the game. If they have a little time to kill, what should they do before the game? What do you have for us, Andrew? Yeah, so I mean, I imagine a lot of people will come up in the evening right before the game. But if you've got a little bit of time... um, I uh, definitely recommend a couple things for you. If you got, if you're bringing the family, if you got kids, uh, you know, Discovery Place is always a great option. I mean, I grew up in the Triangle, and there was two reasons I'd ever come to Charlotte. One was to see Muggsy Bogues and the Hornets, and two was to come to Discovery Place, and uh, it's held up. I mean, they've done a lot of updates over the years. Really cool place to to bring the kids if you haven't. I uh, checked it out yet. Are you a Discovery Place fan? I am a Discovery Place fan, especially now, probably more so as an adult than as a kid because they do these science on the rocks things now. Yeah. And, and those are a blast. You can you can drink a little. You can learn a little science. I don't know if drinking and learning necessarily <laughs> go hand in hand, uh, but, but, you know, I try it out. Yeah, learning, maybe not remembering what you learned, but you learned at the first place. David, your your thoughts on Discovery Place? Discovery Place is a, is a great place. We have actually not. I've got two little ones, and that's next on our list. Don't I take think. them to Science the on the Rocks. <laughs> that's not a great no, idea. No, no, no. No, I will go there, and then they will go to the, the other portion of that. But, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, they got a, a basement floor that's really good for age one to four or five, and then upper level is more, you know, you're five to 10, 12, 13 years old. So you got a good range there. Uh, and that might be perfect, Doug. I don't know what you guys think about that, like a weekend game, you know, some of these matinee games. I'm not sure about the opening times of Discovery Place, but that could be a good match there. We, uh, weekend well games, games. And, David, here's a pro tip. You can park pretty cheap in the Discovery Place lot if you don't mind walking a few blocks to the arena. I've heard that's uh, that's what a lot of people do, if yeah. you don't mind walking a few blocks. I mean, it's a doable walk. It's not a yeah. horrible walk. I think it's something yeah. like $7 all day for parking, right? which is uh, steel in Uptown right now. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, if you've got kids that are maybe a little bit older, Strike City during the day is open for kids. Uh, you know, If it's a weekday game, uh, at least over the summer, I don't know if they do this in the winter as well, but they have kids bowl free if you've got an adult bowling as well. Uh, and, and not good for after the game if you've got kids, because uh, it's more of the uh, uh, nightlife scene then. But before the game, you could definitely get a game of bowling in. I'm embarrassed. I've never been to Strike City, and I live so close, and I need to go. I'm I'm a decent bowler. I mean, I'm no you know I'm no Fred Twinkletoes Flintstone, but I I can bowl a decent amount. I like to use the bumpers if if I can. I, that's probably embarrassing to admit. I love uh, I love Strike City, but I will only go if I have the private room uh, reserved. Oh. I assume they still have that. 
They do. They do. You're, okay. Wait a minute. I'm just, I'm wait just a minute. kidding. But <laughs> he's, he's a private a room You're board. a VIP <laughs> guy at, at Strike City? I mean, you know, I don't want to say I've only bowled in the private room, but I've only bowled in the private room. What can I say? That's amazing that you would, of all places, you would choose bowling for your velvet rope experience. You amaze me daily, David. I'll throw one more out there quickly. It's kind of an underrated spot for uh, if you're bringing kids to the game. It's Ray's Splash Planet, which is uh, open, you know, year-round uh, indoor water park. It's owned by Mecklenburg County. Uh, great option for kids. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and, and that's the cool thing. There are a lot of options of things to do before the game, and a lot of them are on the blue line. Mm-hmm. So you know, you have that travel option. If you don't know what the blue line is, if you haven't been to Charlotte for a Hornets game and you're planning, blue line, a, a light rail system, very affordable, gets you right next to the arena. And again, there are a lot of little cool hot spots along the, the blue line rail. So it's it's a cool option for people who want to do a little public transpo. Yeah, which is a perfect segue to the, the next little bit I wanted to talk about. I mean, if you're if you're if you're coming to the game and don't live uptown or, or work and have easy parking, highly recommend that you ride the light rail in. There's a lot of parking rides as far south as 485 all the way up. And if you've got some time to kill before the game, um, you know, if you're not from Charlotte, you may not recognize that Charlotte is really making a name for itself in the brewery scene. Uh, a lot of different breweries that are just right off uh, a couple light rail stops. It's a really good way to get kind of a vibe of Charlotte right now. You've got Triple C Brewing, which is really close to New Bern Station, as you're looking at the map. Uh, a little bit farther south than that, the Scaly Bark Station. You've got Old Mecklenburg Brewery, which is like four-tenths of a mile walk, and you got Red Clay Cider Works. Uh, you can combine this with uh, eating. Most of the time they got food trucks around, a lot of outdoor seating, um, most Hornets games, the weather's not too bad outside, so that's always a good option you know, to, to spend a couple hours. You know, it's funny, David. Uh, so I'm a season ticket holder, and my wife and I are season ticket holders, and they do these little events in the summer for the season ticket holders. And last summer, they did a brewery tour and okay. did Triple C, Old Mecklenburg. But, you know, normally, on if you've ever been on a brewery tour of multiple breweries, normally they'll give you a token and you maybe taste a beer you get a couple tastings, and then if you want to, you can buy a beer. Uh, this one, you got like two tickets per person, and they were full drinks. Ooh. So <laughs> there's your VIP experience. I'm telling you, but I mean, I got my money's worth for sure, and a giant nap afterwards at like three o'clock in the afternoon. So um, yeah, it was it was quite the experience. But yes, the breweries in Charlotte are are, are amazing, and and they're all over the place. Not not only just on the Blue Line, but there are uh, uh, fantastic breweries everywhere for every kind of drinker. Yeah, those will sneak up on you, so you got to be careful, especially if right. you're uh, trying to, to get the X's and O's of the game that night. Yeah, luckily there wasn't a game that <laughs> night. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't on the job that night. So yeah. And I'll throw one more out. It's a little more off the wall. If you're looking to kill an hour or two before the game, is to check out an escape room. Uh, it's kind oh. of a relatively new development in Charlotte. It, it basically, you go to these places, and they've got these puzzle rooms set up, and you've got an hour, and you're usually paired with a group of people. You've got to solve different riddles to get codes to get to other rooms. Uh, there's one in particular called Codescape, which is just east of Uptown. Um, Blew me away when I went there. They've got this uh, room called Shipwrecked. It's a whole pirate theme. Uh, it, it sounds, I guess, a little hokey just to say it, but it is it is legit. 
So what do you, I, I'm interested in Whoa. this. I've heard about these these deals. So are there? Is it obvious what you should be doing or trying to figure out? Not really. And actually, you know, when, when I've been, you, it's easy to get bogged down at the beginning trying to figure out what to do. I mean, but you get the hang of it. You the first you go into a room, you'll see maybe a bag on the floor uh, as part of, as part of the decorations of the room. You'll open the bag. There'll be a journal. You'll look inside and try to piece together codes. You'll see a lot of locks on different doors and, you know, with uh, three or four digits. So you kind of get the feel like, oh, I'm trying to figure out you know, where's a riddle that's going to give me a numeric code that I can put into this lock to get to the next door. Or just, just smash the lock. You could just actually, go, just go brute force. That's see, that's my worry, David. I would get in there. <laughs> I'd be ripping up carpet, punching holes in the wall, just trying to figure something out. Yeah. This sounds like someone has just taken my nightmares and made them a reality. <laughs> I mean, I just looked this up. This is a real thing. I've never heard of this. Andrew, this Wait, you've never person. heard of this? I've never heard of this. Uh, this is not something for the kids. So I wouldn't, there's no way I would have heard of it. This sounds incredible. Uh, and by incredible, I mean terrifying. Andrew, so how many have you done? I've just done one. So I'm, I'm not an expert, but as editor of the agenda, you know, we've written quite a bit about uh, escape rooms and uh, I've read mm-hmm. a ton about the different ones. There's a couple others and uh, like uh, exit strategy I've heard is really good, uh, which is down a little bit south, also close to the light rail line. Not. I'm not sure exactly how far a walk it would be to one of the stations, but at least it's close. You're in the ballpark there. That's what I got before the game, and a lot of those aren't. Uh, I tried to uh, be a little bit specific to close to the arena, so and you don't want to do a whole lot of driving before game time. Is you know, if you're like me, I don't like to stress out about parking. I'm, I'm kind of a, an old man dad like that. Thanks again to Andrew Dunn from charlotteagenda.com for lending his Charlotte knowledge. This series is just getting started. Andrew will be back with us with more suggestions along with C5 podcast hosts, that Charlotte 5 podcast hosts, Corey Insko and Sarah Crossland, and Jason Simon, who is the director of event presentations for the Charlotte Hornets. He'll give us the inside scoop on what you can do once you walk through the doors of Time Warner Cable Arena. David, another thing that you'll want to do before the game is pick up some gear. Now, I I know that a lot of people will certainly visit the fan shop. I do, uh, you know, got to get your Hornets gear, official Hornets gear in the arena or online. But I've got one more hot tip before we get out of here. This past weekend, I was walking in uh, South End, and and we stumbled upon a little pop-up shop called 704 Shop. They're part of a... Uh, what can only be described as like a local fashion trend around here. You're seeing these t-shirt companies pop up uh, everywhere in Charlotte, but I got a chance to check out 704 Shops gear, and they have some really cool options for Hornets and Panthers fans. I picked up a shirt. Uh, Katie keeps telling me that uh, our social media producer keeps telling me that I've got to take more pictures and and get some stuff out on Instagram. So I'm going to take a, a quick shot of this T-shirt that I picked up at the pop-up shop. It's a really uh, really cool Hornet shirt. Again, it's not. It's just something unique. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna find it in the in the fan shop. And and you can you can have something um, uh, you know a little story piece. So if you want something different, if you want something unique, 704 Shop, check them out. Yeah, 704 Shop is cool. They have awesome designs 
Charlotte flavor designs and fashion, right? I think they're going to expand. They've got what the yoga leggings. I know you're a big fan of. Doug. I love my and, yoga leggings. Let yeah. me tell you, the, and, the Panthers ones with the yeah, claw down in, these, it makes uh, my butt look great. <laughs> a bunch of brands like that, but the 704 shop is is really cool, and they they're great people and, and love Charlotte. So definitely support them. Get your Panthers preseason gear too, because they got a bunch of cool sign, designs up there. All right, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets, presented by Hive Talk Live. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're there, give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast, and we want to hear from you. Email us your Hornets thoughts, your questions, your comments, and hey, we we read one on this show, and we'll read them on on future shows as well. Just send those to buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. Hive Talk Live is a presentation of SB Nations at thehive.com. We're back again on Friday with much more Hornets analysis. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets, go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.